Uh, today's scripture reading is going to be from 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles at home, your Bible apps on your phone or a computer, pull it up there, or you can go to our worship folder on our website. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Thank you, Josh. It's great to have you back, and it's great to have Corey uh, here this morning. And again, Happy New Year. We are so grateful for what God has done in 2020. Wow, compassion, 31,000. Uh, when I opened that email, I was so blessed by what our church has done behind the scenes. And again, man, God is good. Uh, today, I just want to jump right in and I want to say as we move into the new year, what is it that you want to accomplish in 2021? What would motivate you? What would even inspire you so that you would feel good about yourself? And so actually this is what's trending right now is that many people want to lose the holiday 30 in 30 days, right? And some want to cook something new every week. Others want to start yoga. Some want to stop drinking altogether. Some want to sanitize their phone weekly. And some want to start therapy. These are the things that our culture is saying that they want to accomplish in 2021. But today I want to show you that our goals and our accomplishments can be misguided. They so often fall into this category of just love yourself. Just take care of what you want to do. You do you and you will be better off. But today I want to show you that this is a deception that's made its way into Christian thinking. It's made its way even in, into the pulpit across North America. Just better yourself and everything will be okay. Listen to what this Christian celebrity says. Her name is Haley Baldwin Bieber, the wife of Justin Bieber. She says this in her testimony. I think that every person has had that feeling that they are not enough for something, someone, but you are. Because God took his time to create you and put you in this place. So now, if, if you were in the room and she was saying this, you would probably applaud and nod your head. Because there is a partial truth here. Yes, God created us. We are made in his image, and we are valuable because of that. Ah, but be careful. She also said, you are enough. 
And that's where the deception was slipped in. She may not have even meant to say that. But unfortunately, this is one of the things that are resonating with our culture. It's been broadcast across. All celebrities are saying this. This is what some of the celebrities are saying. This is pop singer Beyonce. Can we have it up on the screen? Your self-worth is determined by you. You don't have to depend on someone telling you who you are. The next slide. Lucia Ball says this. Love yourself first and everything else falls into line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. And Julianne Hoff says this. I think every girl needs to love herself, regardless of anything. Like, if you're having a bad day, or if you don't like your hair, or if you have the best family situation, whatever, you have to love yourself, and you can't do anything until you love yourself first. All of our successes depend on self-love. Now, to summarize this, Again, it all depends on how well you can love yourself. And if you can love yourself well, you can well be happy. You'll have a great 2021. But honestly, this is the mantra of many self-help books, celebrity speeches. But it's also, again, made its way into Christian thinking And I'm calling it the deception of self-love. But here's a disclaimer. I want to say that there's nothing wrong with working on yourself. You know, having a positive self-esteem or exercising or going to counseling. All those things are good things. However, I want to say that this has become the thing in our culture. It's slipping its way into our homes. It's making its way into our devotional books that if we just take care of ourselves, everything else will follow. But today, I want to focus on how this is a deception, a very destructive deception. I'm going to be focusing on three things. First, that self-love is unsatisfying. Second, that self-love doesn't take up our cross. And third, that self-love doesn't cover our sin problem. So first, self-love is unsatisfying because you can't love yourself enough. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. And again, Paul is equipping a young pastor named Timothy. He's telling him to look out for false teachers and teaching that is creeping and making its way into the church. And as a result, it's tearing the church apart. It's destructive. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, pay attention. Use discernment. Be wise. And don't let this type of thinking make its way into your ministry and into your life. 
So look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And when Timothy is saying understand this, he's saying literally know this, Timothy, difficulty is coming. He's saying I I need you to discern good from evil. He's saying in the last days these terrible things are going to happen because of evil. And many think we are living in the last days right now. I mean, just just watch the news. (laughs) It's crazy. All the things that are happening in the world right now. But actually the Bible says, again, to ask the question, what are the last days? That yes, we are in fact living in the last days because the last days started when Christ came as a baby and will continue until he returned. It's this period of time that is happening right now where sinful behavior will increase. And Paul is saying, know this, Timothy. Difficult times are coming. They're going to increase. Be ready. Be prepared. Discern these things. And don't let those things come into your life, into your ministry. Well, let's keep reading. Look with me at verses two to five. And he says, for people will be lovers of self. In other words, people will be focused on themselves, selfish. They'll be narcissistic. Then he says, they will be lovers of money materialistic. Do do you see that happening? They will be proud. They, They will want to draw attention to themselves. They will be arrogant with this inflated view of self. They will be abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving what is good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. In other words, they're blind to themselves. They're preoccupied with themselves. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then also having this appearance of godliness, but denying its power. But in essence, if we were to sum this all up, he is saying, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. Do you see that happening? Because I sure do. I see it happening in Victoria. I see it happening in our own church. I see it happening in my own life, in which I need to discern why I'm doing what I'm doing. I need to get to that motive under the decision and say, no, actually, I shouldn't do that because I don't want to love myself. So exactly what is self-love? Well, this can be vague or a very abstract concept, 
because it means different things to different people. But to put it simply, it's someone who prioritizes loving themselves over everything else. The spotlight is on you rather than God. It's a life that is focused on, so focused on bettering oneself rather than prioritizing your relationship with God or loving other people well. And as a result, all these other sins spring up, is what Paul is saying to Timothy. It all stems from loving yourself way too much. It leads then to greed, materialism, pride, and all kinds of other vices. And again, Paul is warning. He's warning of people who love themselves too much. Hey, 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 Timothy, look out. Look out that you don't let these people into leadership. Hey, 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 Timothy, look out that those seeds of self-love don't spring up in your own heart. Keep watch, Timothy. Discern. Pay attention. Because it's subtle, isn't it? These, these good things can easily become bad things. But here's again how it plays out. You know, if I don't get enough me time, well, then I, I can't be a good friend, a good neighbor. I can't volunteer for ministry. I can't then spend time with God because I need to take care of me first. You know, having this me time allows me to fulfill my role as, you know, a mom or a dad or even a pastor. You know, if your me time becomes the source or the landmark of your wellness, you've got it mixed up. That it is, again, if you call yourself a Christian, your me time should come second to God. And I'm not saying if you go for a run or go on a spa date with your girlfriends that you're catapulting into idolatry. But what I'm saying is, is that we too often get this mixed up. That we are putting ourselves first too often rather than putting God in the spotlight. I'm saying that this is something that is foundational. That this is something that has just seeped its way into our culture and then therefore into our lives because we are, again, surrounded by messages. You do you. Do what feels right. Build your ego. Build your followers. Build your own self-esteem. Build yourself. Speak your truth. And all the greatness that you need is within you. Right? That's the message that we're hearing, but we're not just hearing it. It seems that we are living this out too often. You know, we give awards for participation or just showing up, right? That, that's our culture. Because this is the generation of self. Our culture is consumed with making 
us feel good about ourselves. And unfortunately, the exact opposite result is happening. An author named Ali Stuckley says this, if we've been taught for decades that our lives will be made better just by loving ourselves more and feeling confident, why hasn't it caught on? Why aren't we all happier? In fact, it seems we're less happy than ever before. And Americans and Canadians under 40 are more depressed, anxious, lonely, and suicidal than any generation before us. We report stronger feelings of purposelessness than any other generation too. We are isolated and unsure of what we want to do with our lives because many of us feel empty. And she nailed it. In our last home, when we moved in, there was this willow tree growing in our backyard. I mean, honestly, it, it was pretty pathetic. It was like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. You know, it was kind of leaning over. It had only a few little branches on it. And I thought about cutting it down and just planting something else. But I've seen the beauty of a willow tree. Years later, that thing just grew and grew and grew. It suddenly started to take over our backyard to the point where it was blocking all the sunlight and everything else around it started to die. But also the root system of the willow tree started to make its way into the foundation of our house. It became this very invasive tree. And the foundation of our house started to crack. And we figure this out when water started to seep in, which caused mold. It caused things to stink. And unfortunately, a complete restoration process had to take place to fix the problem. But the problem was that it happened gradually. It was slow. But in the end, it was a disaster. But this little willow tree became this prominent thing in my backyard and completely took over. Actually, then my little brother came over with a chainsaw. I was like, Steve, it's got to go. And he took it down. Because the willow tree, again, started to cause damage. But just like the willow tree, we can be so focused on loving ourselves and this way of living can be slow and subtle, but it can invade the foundation of our life. And in the end, it can cause disaster. And this is what Paul is warning Timothy about. He's warning against this self-love. It may start small, but it grows and grows and grows. But in the end, it leaves us unsatisfied and causes damage in our life. Let, let me ask you this. Can you love yourself enough so that you feel permanently satisfied? Can you love yourself enough so that you feel permanently satisfied? 
Well, the Bible says the answer is no, because you are not the solution to your problems. And this is one of the brilliant schemes of the enemy because we're not talking about, you know, murder or adultery or even gossip. It's something that sounds so good. But in the end, leaves you unsatisfied because self-love is unsatisfying because you can't love yourself enough. Secondly, Self-love isn't sufficient because it doesn't take up our cross. Self-love doesn't take up our cross. Look with me again at 2 Timothy 3.5, which says this. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Well, what does it mean to have the appearance of godliness? Well, it's so easy to appear godly, right? You can subscribe to all the, you know, the niceties and all the church norms and appear to be a good person. You can appear to be someone who follows God. You know, we can, we can act it, we can show up, and everyone can be convinced that we are a godly person. But in the end, we can also deny the power of God by the way we live our lives. And Paul is telling us that self-love is one of the dominant marks of people who don't genuinely love God and live for God. In other words, they're imposters. And sadly, they may not even realize it themselves But the point is, is they claim to be followers of Christ, but their life does not match up. Do you see the inconsistency? Just because something appears good, it doesn't mean it's good at all. You know, just because someone appears to be godly, it doesn't mean that they are godly at all. But Paul is saying, take a closer look. How do they live their life? And he goes further to say, flee people whose lives contradict the gospel. Have nothing to do with them. But but here, let me say this. None of us are perfect. It doesn't mean flee imperfect people or there would be no leaders or pastors in a church. But what he's saying is, is pay attention. Those who want to be in leadership, if their lives don't line up with the gospel, something's wrong, pay attention. But also pay attention to your own life. Are you just trying to put on an act? Or are you genuinely trying to follow Christ? What does it mean to follow Christ with authenticity? How do you know if someone's authentic? I love this verse. Matthew 16, 24, it says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Now, again, this doesn't mean that we go out into the wilderness and uh, cut down a tree and formulate a cross and start to carry it around Victoria. But what he's saying is, is the word deny means to disown, disregard, forsake, renounce, reject, or refuse your own agenda. But rather, replace it with God's agenda for your life. He's saying, it means simply this, say no to that inner desire to serve self first. That constant craving, that demand for attention. No, no. Put Christ first, not yourself. And a person who is denying self is learning to let Christ rule and reign in his or her life. It's putting those desires, infections, not on what you want, but on what's best because Jesus says it's best for you. And if you want to dive a little deeper, the Greek word for deny means that the person enters into a new state or condition when they follow Christ and pick up their cross. And when we follow Christ, there's something that that changes in us. That, That we cast all those other things aside because we want to, because we're changed and we see that Jesus leads us to a better place. He then becomes the center of our worship, the center of our life. And oh yes, it costs us. In fact, it costs us everything, but in the end, we actually gain everything. It will cost us our time and our treasure to spread the gospel. We may even suffer, but hear this. Our Christianity isn't this add-on item that that we tack on to self-love. It's not just this checklist in which we can do good things once or twice a week. But the bottom line is this, that Jesus demands the total commitment of a person. But here's the problem. Sometimes our feelings and our decisions get in the way and Jesus comes second. Well, what about this idea of just following your heart or following your feelings? I don't know about you, but if I was to follow my heart and my feelings, yes, I would serve myself. But I've also had plenty of emotions that aren't based on reality at all. And honestly, when I'm having a disagreement with my wife, I mean, at times it gets heated, right? Yeah, don't lie. I know. But at times, I don't feel loved. I don't feel wonderful things towards her. I'm not thinking about, okay, I'm going to go buy some flowers and make sure that they end up on the table after this fight. I'm not thinking that at all. My feelings lead me in a completely different direction And sometimes things come out of my mouth that aren't kind or they're not in a kind tone. And I know it's not just me. 
But here's what happens. I I try to assert my rightness and her wrongness. And the first reaction that I get is the look. Right? Her face changes. Darts come out of her eyes magically. I don't know how, but they do. And the way I respond is what? With the look back. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing, far too often, I'm serving myself and I'm trying to win an argument. And if I was to follow my feelings every single time, I would cause damage. She would cause damage. And the reality is we wouldn't be married anymore if we just simply followed our feelings. Sometimes we even just bring stuff into our arguments that have nothing to do with the argument, right? You have a bad day at work, you bring it in. You know, you got a weird phone call, you bring it in. You know, the kids aren't listening, you bring it in, you pile it all on, right? You're not feeling good about life. But following our hearts can lead us away from the very thing that we need. This is why we need to follow Christ and pick up our cross and deny ourselves. Well, what does it look like then to deny ourselves in today's world? Well, it means that at times we need to care for others like aging parents. We need to give up our time and our interest to help them so that they can feel loved. At times when we don't feel like it, we need to turn off the TV, turn off the social media, and spend time with God because it's the very thing that we need. At times we, we may want to go and offer a friend uh, some help like picking up the groceries or whatever it is, even when we don't feel like it because we need to deny ourselves and show others love. At times, it's cutting back our spending so that we can support a child from Compassion who is next to nothing and great job on that church. But at times, it also means serving on a ministry team or attending a community group even when you don't feel like it. That's what it means to deny self. And as a side note, there's been many times where I've been leading a community group and I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to attend. I would have way rather just stayed home and watched a movie. And almost every single time at the end of the night, I was like, wow, I'm so glad I came. So here's a question then, well, are we not allowed to take time for ourselves? Well, the answer is, of course we are. God designed us all to need rest, but I guess the mentality around me time matters. You know, someone asked John Piper this very question. You know, should stay-at-home moms take the day off? I mean, they're going crazy trying to keep everything together. And he said this, yes, moms need rejuvenation. They need a Sabbath. 
They also need help from their husbands, parents, friends, or Sunday school class. Moms aren't superhuman, and yes, moms are amazing, but listen to this. Life is a marathon, not a sprint, which means all of us need to find the rhythms and patterns of activity and rest that allows us to live out the work of God that he has called us to so that we can do it effectively and efficiently. But if you ever wonder if you're taking too much me time, I really like how Ali Stuckley puts it. She says this, When our reason behind our rest is to ensure better service to the Lord and others, we don't have to worry whether or not taking needed breaks is self-centered. It's not. But in contrast, we need to stop saying things like, I deserve me time. I'm worth it. I have to have it or I won't serve Christ. This unbiblical view of self-love not only leaves us unsatisfied, it also leaves us unsanctified or even lost to the gospel. And Paul is saying to Timothy, look out. There's these marks of evil. And yes, they will leave a mark. Look out. Think deeply about what you watch and see. Think deeply about how you use your time. Guard the door of your life. Guard the door of your ministry. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you do. Mourn when you stumble in sin. Because too often we're easily distracted by ourselves and we drop our cross and stop following Christ. Lastly, self-love doesn't cover your sin. Self-love doesn't cover your sin. Again, just to look at the second part of 2 Timothy 3, 5. Reading the whole thing, it says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. But denying its power. Well, what does it mean to deny the power? Well, there's this power when we follow Christ that's living, that is this active presence of God that has lived out through the transformation of the gospel. This is the power that both Paul and Timothy knew. That when, when they were following Christ, when they were denying themselves, the Spirit of God gave them the ability, the love, and the self-discipline to follow God with everything that they had. But again, it means that we are denying God himself when we just focus on us. That's what it means to deny the power of God. The problem is is that our culture tells us that self-love will solve our problems. But again, it's not enough. And as a result, many look inward for their own power rather than to the power of God. And that's what the world says. The power is within. Cultivate your own inner beauty. But the Bible tells us when you look deeply in at yourself, 
you're flawed, that you fall short. And the world again tells us that your truth is enough and your truth shouldn't be bent for others, unless you're a Christian, of course. Then you must conform. But again, the Bible says that you too may even be blind to the truth because there's only one truth. And a self-love philosophy promises that when you look inward, you will find a way to love what you see and find peace. But do you see the way in which self-love can take the rightful place of God in our hearts and it doesn't work? Let me just deal with one side issue before we conclude. Here's the question. If we were made in the image of God, should we not love ourselves? Right? I mean, I mean, we are indeed God's creation. Well, again, the answer lies in what do we mean by love ourselves? Are we accounting for the fact that we are sinful human beings and that we fall short? But here's the thing that I also want to say is that Love is meaningless without a relationship. And that our very first love needs to be God. And that when we love God, we join into this safe relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that this relationship never starts with us loving ourselves more. Did you catch that? It never starts with you loving yourself more. It always starts with the gospel. That is the foundation, and it grows from there. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can love ourselves differently through what he says about us. It's always this pattern of acknowledging that we fall short. We need the gospel. And he brings renewal into our life. So to to borrow some thoughts from a writer named Rebecca Davis, she says this, there are two kinds of love of self. One is safe. It sees oneself in that mutual relationship with God where he overwhelms you. Well, he's fully gracious to you And he whispers to you that you are valuable, you are precious, you are his son or daughter. She illustrates it this way. If you were to come up to a well-loved child who had really good and kind and wise parents and ask them this, do you love yourself? The kid would be confused. What do you mean do I love myself? And rightfully so. But if you were to come up to that same child and say, do you see yourself as valuable? The child would say, yes, I'm well loved and I am valuable. But this is a view of self-love in which is healthy, which is again surrounded by relationship where God is first and we view ourselves out of that relationship. But the second kind of self-love sees no relationship. 
It's what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 3 because it's narcissistic and it's only concerned with self. There is no meaningful relationship. This is why we need the gospel. So in closing, I'm just going to call up the worship team. We need to look outside of ourselves to find this meaningful relationship. We need to look outside of ourselves, not within ourselves. A couple of years ago, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer. And honestly, it was a very difficult time for my family. And as you know, cancer, when bad cells grow, they crowd out normal cells. And as this happens, it causes other problems within the, bi- uh, the body. And if not dealt with, you die. But Sarah, our sister-in-law, had to look outside of herself for treatment. She had to go to doctor and doctor and receive all kinds of different treatments so that she, too, could find the remedy that she needed. This is exactly what we need to do. That we need to look outside of ourselves and look to Christ so that we can find the power of the gospel. And the gospel simply says that loving yourself is not enough. It's deficient. But again, the gospel, when you look to God for relationship, brings hope. It brings joy. It brings love. It brings peace. It brings kindness. It brings the very things that we need. But it also brings us a future beyond ourselves because of what Christ did on the cross. Oh, but look out. Our self-love can direct us away from the very thing that we need. Ali Steckley says this, Do you love yourself enough to stop denying that your sins, your faults, your inadequacies are as real as your virtues? Do you love yourself enough to stop scraping together self-worth from broken, sinful pieces of self and instead to embrace the free gift of the Father's love for Christ's sake? If the world really cared about helping us love ourselves, it would simply preach the gospel. Only the good news of Jesus offers true hope. The message of the gospel is a message of freedom from efforts to love our broken selves by providing a worth that comes from outside of our brokenness. A worth that comes from Christ. The good news is that you're not enough and that's okay. In fact, she says it's great. You aren't meant to be enough and neither Am I? So here's the question. Have you been looking to the wrong things in 2020? Apparently the hardest year in history according to our culture, which is crazy. But I hope that Christians can say that we didn't just survive 2020. That we didn't just bake bread and cut our own hair. But 
But I guess the better question is, what are you going to do in 2021? What are you going to build your life on? How do you plan on spending your time, your money? What will your priorities be? For a generation that is obsessed with personal happiness and self-discovery, we are very unhappy and lost. And most of the world has been left to themselves. And we're seeing the results of it and that tactic isn't working. In fact, it's keeping us miserable because again, self-love isn't enough. So I'm gonna end with this question, what are you going to build your life on this year? And as the team starts to play, I just wanna give you a moment to reflect. And here's the question that, that I want you to ask is what does God want you to change or do this year so that he becomes the center of your foundation? What does God want you to change this year so that he becomes the center of your gaze? What does God want you to do this year? so that you can deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him? Maybe this is the first time you've heard this message and you realize that you've been loving yourself. You're like, yes, I need that gospel that you're talking about, that good news, that hope. Man, I would love to pray with you. You can pray this prayer right now. So Jesus, I admit that I am not enough, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, my shortcomings. This morning, I want to commit my life to you. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So just before we sing, just spend a few moments in prayer and ask God what you need to change this year.